This episode of Nomad Athlete Radio is brought to you by Blinkist. Blinkist takes the best key takeaways, the need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books, and condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. Go to Blinkist.com slash Nomeet to try it free for seven days and save 25% off your new subscription. That's B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash Nomeet to get started. This episode is also brought to you by Vistro. Vistro is a nationwide 100% plant-based meal delivery service. Visit TryVistro.com. That's T-R-Y-V-E-E-S-T-R-O dot com slash N-M-A to try the six most popular meals for just $49. Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meat Athlete Radio. Matt, did, did your daughter ever do go through a princess phase, or is she still going through one, maybe? I don't know. She definitely went through one, big time. Um, she's not really in it anymore, but she definitely still appreciates a good princess. Okay. Well, we, you know, we don't let Eliza watch too much TV or anything like that. Um, but somehow, I think we were just, she needed Band-Aids and we were at the grocery store. We let her pick them out and she picked out the Frozen ones uh-huh. with Elsa and Anna and, yeah. and Olaf. So those are the three characters that are featured on the uh, on the Band-Aids. And... Um, and she had no idea who they were or anything like that. Just like was attracted to the box and the right. band-aids, and so and then started like really getting into these band-aids and these characters in the band-aids. And uh, we would run out of the of Elsa, which was her favorite first because uh-huh. had blonde hair like she does, and right. um, and then she'd move on to Anna, and then it, it got to where it was just Olaf, and she was like she got a cut and it was just bleeding a little bit, and I tried to put an Olaf band-aid on, and and she just started like. <laughs> Like freaking out because she didn't want Olaf, you know, she wanted Elsa and Anna, and and so, so I just uh, I had never seen the movie, and uh, but I went on this long elaborate thing about how great Olaf was and how cool Olaf right. was, and you know, just to get her to to do it, and uh, it kind of became a thing that Olaf was my favorite character and okay. Elsa was her favorite character, and because Anna is the only one left, Anna was uh, Katie's my wife's favorite character, mm-hmm. and none of us had actually seen the movie, but it was like really into it for a while. So, uh, I don't know, maybe a month ago, um, we, we made a big deal out of it and watched the movie with her and she was so into it and it just happened to be like right around that time that somebody gave us some books and one of them was, uh, frozen. Yep. And so kind of frozen has, we've just spiraled down this. Oh yeah. Elsa and Anna frozen thing. Yeah. Wow. And, it's, uh, uh you kind of late in the game on Frozen. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, it's Frozen's it. not really cool anymore. There's, there's like Moana <laughs> now, and like I don't know. Probably Moana's not even cool anymore either. But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does feel kind of funny about that. But uh, you know, so of course, like for Halloween, all she wanted to be was Elsa, and all she wanted any of us to be were Anna and Olaf. Oh, okay. And so our costumes arrived last night, and um, we we put them on this morning, and uh, we're walking around the house for. <laughs> A good hour as as Elsa yeah. and Anna and Olaf this that's morning. Good times, yeah. That's what having kids all about. I think those <laughs> kind of fun moments. Yeah, it was it was a it was a good way. To, we were sitting at the table eating breakfast together in our Halloween costumes. <laughs> well, that's fine. I mean, Frozen was definitely a smash hit movie, and mm-hmm. uh, and much more than that. Like we, that's that's if like when you said the princess thing, that's that's the thing that came to mind is what what our daughter went through. It was 
it was the big frozen phase. So we oh, have all, really? all the books, all the movies. Well, not all the movies, just the one movie. But uh, a bunch of books, a bunch of toys, a bunch of dresses and all that, you know. Sure. Just went down the path. So I, it's a good movie, though. Not a bad yeah. show, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 no, no, it's not bad at all. Good. All right. Well, we're talking about Frozen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know what? I, last year, did a uh, surprise because Ellery, my daughter, wanted to be um, the girl from Ladybug named Marinette. But when she's in superhero form, she's Ladybug. And mm-hmm. this is a Netflix show, by the way. Uh, and I wanted to surprise her by being Cat Noir, the the partner, the right. boy partner. But when they're when they're not in costume, well, when they're in costume, they kind of act like they're like in love with each other. When they're not in costume, Marinette has a crush on Adrian, the, the guy who becomes the Cat Noir. So anyway, I surprised her on Halloween Day in the car to tr- go tri- trick or treating in her old neighborhood. I like turned around from the front seat and had on the wig and. Had taken off my sweatshirt to covered up the black suit I was wearing, and she saw it, and she was in costume as as Mer- as Ladybug, and this like frown just like went over her face, and she started crying, <laughs> <laughs> and I was so excited that I was going to surprise her by being her partner, and uh, and it was just a disaster, and she just hated it. <laughs> she didn't want to be in love with her father, right? That and that was the problem. So I so I realized that and said we don't have to do the whole in love thing. Because we've always had this joke that I pretend like I'm gonna want to marry her, and she always says no. <laughs> so I said, I said, so I think she thought Halloween was taking that just to me still trying to do that. And uh-huh. uh, anyway, but I said we're not gonna do that. It's not boyfriend girlfriend. I'm just being your superhero partner. And uh, and then she was okay with it. What <laughs> <laughs> a disappointing moment! I'm it wasn't fun <laughs> because that that day I was like frantically going around the costume store trying to find you know the big tent outside the mall, trying to find mm-hmm. the last remnants of what I could assemble a costume out of. And I spent like $35 on this wig and <laughs> a tail. <laughs> anyway, so uh, it was it was disappointing. But it was fine. worked out okay. <laughs> That's funny. Yes. Yeah. Are you uh, are you guys Halloweening this year? We are Halloweening. We're not going to go to our old neighborhood. We're going to go to a different neighborhood that a friend lives in that uh, they claim is good. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, because our neighborhood just isn't. But uh, yeah, it'll be the same same story. Kids get the candy. They get so excited about how much candy they can get. And then and then they just forget about it, which is everyone I think doesn't really believe when they say, "How do you do vegan Halloween?" And they're just used to it, I guess. They pick out you know five or ten vegan. No, they pick out twenty out of probably a hundred candies that are vegan, and no, they'll pick out twenty vegan candies out of probably a hundred total candies. <laughs> okay. And they'll eat you know five or ten that night, and then two the next day, and then maybe one the next, day. and then they just forget about whatever remaining, and then we just throw them away. And it guys, just, it's just fine. Do you guys actually separate, like, after they separate them out or whatever, do you take them or, or no, like the non No, they just, they just keep it. We, I mean, they're not supposed to just keep eating it all night. We say just have, like, one more mm-hmm. or five more or whatever on Halloween night. Um, but it's just there. And, I, you know, it kind, I guess it kind of, like, after a couple of days, they start asking if they can have it. I don't know. It's just a weird dynamic. I don't know why they why they seed it to us, but. Eventually, eventually they just stop. So I don't know. I don't know why they do that, but it's it's not it's not hard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess. I mean, I, I still think Eliza's probably too young to ask for candy. Well, you did last know. year, right? Didn't you get trick or treat? Yeah, we, I mean, we always so like they you know they block off three four blocks maybe in in town, mm-hmm. and uh, the houses just go all out, you know, decorated and everything, mm-hmm. uh, and it's just a huge like kind of block party. Uh, so we we've gone down there the last couple of years, but 
we just kind of walk down the street, you know, because there's just so many people and it's like such a thing. But never, I've never gone up to any of the houses before, and neither has neither has Eliza. So she hasn't actually gotten any candy, which I guess. So we'll do. We'll definitely do that again this year, and, and I guess we'll. I don't know if she'll do candy or not. I don't. Know, I hadn't even thought about it. Yeah, she, she eats a little bit of candy, you know, every now and then. So mm-hmm. I'm sure she'd love it, but doesn't need that much. Well, once you do it, you're in, right? Because then, right. then there's no exactly. going back. <laughs> yeah. I think she'd probably, she, I don't think she associates candy with Halloween. So I think uh-huh. probably we could just go there like we normally do. Right. And, uh, and she wouldn't even notice that she's missing out on anything. I'd probably do that then. I mean, there's no reason to do it. She doesn't care. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you want the candy. <laughs> right. <laughs> What's that, uh, that skit on one, one of the late night shows where they... The kid wakes up in the morning, and the they the joke is that the parent has eaten all the candy, and they film it. <laughs> Have you seen this? <laughs> it's really funny. It's like a real people like they they yeah they like like know. uh you know like uh <laughs> Jimmy Fallon or somebody I don't right. know, I forget who it is like puts out you know says says to do this and film it and watch the kids' reactions and it's, it's so sad but also pretty funny. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> yeah. Ah, good Halloween. Halloween. All right. What else? Disc golf. Disc golf. We're gonna be making the disc golf roadmap. <laughs> oh man, I would love to spend several weeks thinking about <laughs> disc golf, teaming up with a with someone like uh, like Eagle Big Man, our uh, our guest today. Yeah, this is this is cool for you because uh, I mean I don't know if you mentioned Eagle before to me. You probably have. Wait, what a good name for a, for a golfer is that? I know, right? Is that a given name or he just? Yeah, it's it? his legit name. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I don't know if you mentioned him, but you've definitely mentioned the pro, well, I guess the pro, the uh, the the disc golfers that you follow on YouTube, and you mentioned vegan ones before, mm-hmm. and uh, and and here he is on our podcast. So yeah, he's he is he is the well, I, I, I don't know if he's the only, but he's definitely like the most prominent okay. uh, vegan plant based uh, disc golfer, pro disc golfer, and he's, I mean, he's you know one of the top players in the world. I mean, he's he's just. Uh, it's you know I I, when, I gotta say I was fanboying out a little bit when uh, when he reached out and introduced himself. He listens to the show, is that right? He listens to the show. Yeah, he heard okay. me. He heard me talking about a couple of weeks ago. They were having the U.S. Right, disc golf championship, yep. and uh, and I mentioned it, and and he was he heard it, and he was like, oh, I should <laughs> I should just say hi since they follow it. Right. <laughs> and and uh, and he reached out on Instagram, and Esther, who does our social media. Um. Uh, kind of forwarded me the message and said, "Hey, this a disc golfer reached out," and I was like, oh, "Eagle Big Man." <laughs> so this is this is a fun uh, fun time for me to to do this interview. Yeah, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Is uh, Eagle's not in Game Changers? Is he? He's not in Game Changers. Like, no. Did you guys Did you guys chat Game Changers? At least we did actually chat Game Changers. Yeah. Good. He had just watched it and and was was inspired. So, um, yeah, Eagle, I mean, so we've, we've talked a lot about disc golf or casually talked about disc golf in, in different intros and kind of mm-hmm. made, made fun of me. Yeah, no, I need to stop that now. And then I realize there's serious disc golfers listening to the show. <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> um, well, you know, you'll have to listen to the interview cause he calls you out at the end and says, oh, uh, no. it says you gotta come play. Cause I don't know if you know this, but, uh, he sent us, he sent us some discs. He sent, uh, two sets of discs. One for me and one for you. Oh, I, you didn't tell me he sent me any. He told me he sent you a box of discs. 
I'm not in claim now all that, of them. Now that it comes to a recording where he's listening, <laughs> yeah. they're our disc. Oh, no, 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 they are our disc. I, I'm sorry if I didn't, didn't relay that message properly. Um, yeah, no, he sent uh, like one of his signature drivers and then uh, a putter for, for both of us. And nice. a couple other like little goodies. So we'll have to get out there on the course and I'll have to show you what it's yeah. all about. God, now we have a reason to. Yeah, I know. I have a reason to. Good. All right. I'll do that. All Keep right. Going. Good. Excellent. Well, that was easy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. So it's uh, a lot of, you know, even though we've talked about disc golf, and I think uh, as Eagle and I talked about, um, it seems that more and more, I mean, disc golf is kind of becoming more and well, more well known as like a, like people just see the baskets in parks and. Yeah you know, have, see people playing it, yep. um, but probably have no idea that there's this pro tour and there's, you know, professional athletes. There's kind of this whole circuit of, of tournaments and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so, you know, so we talk a bit about that and then just what it's like being a professional plant-based athlete and mm-hmm. traveling around. And it's a good, it's a good interview. It's fun. So even if you're not a disc golfer, I think you'll enjoy it. Very cool. Good. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Good. All right. Well, should we just uh, should we just jump into it? Got anything else to say first? Only to thank our sponsors. All right. Let's do it. All right. This episode of Nomad Athlete Radio is brought to you by Vistro. Vistro is a nationwide, hundred percent plant based meal delivery service. In fact, Vistro is the number one plant based meal delivery service in America. They're quick and easy. There's no prep work, chopping, or cleaning involved. All of Vistro's meals can be heated and served, so you can enjoy a hot, healthy, and delicious meal whenever you are hungry. Vistro meals have no added preservatives, using organic ingredients, and fresh frozen for maximum taste and nutrition. They will keep in the freezer for up to 10 weeks, and since they only serve plant-based meals, Vistro is really good at it. They make satisfying meals like country fried chicken, with an apostrophe, Tuscan calzones, (laughs) enchilada casserole, red curry, and lots, lots more. Do you know what was the best thing that happened to us after we had Eliza? Well, well, besides having a baby, of course, <laughs> the best, the nicest gift that someone gave us was like a, a meal delivery service, a vegan, like pre-made, like Vistro meal right. delivery service uh, for, I don't know, the first like month. Mm-hmm. That's really um, nice. Yeah, it was like super nice. It, was, it just made life so much easier. And um, Although the meals were probably terrible because they weren't Vistro. Well, they weren't, or they, they were not as good as Vistro. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, so like when we started getting these Vistro meals, I was just like, this is what this is. This is what this should be, you know. So if you have, right. if you need to help somebody out, if somebody breaks a leg and you want to help them out, or there's stressful time, or have a baby, or whatever, you know, Vistro. That, that is Go. a good way of putting it. They the, honestly, the meals are what it should be. Like it is. It just everyone I had was like, this is this is like, I don't know. Like you know how you feeling you get when they go to a restaurant and you eat really good food. Mm-hmm. It's that. It wasn't like a frozen a freezer meal. It was just right. it was just delicious. And then I looked at the nutrition. And I thought it was gonna be really bad as a result. And I actually was surprised that it was not. So yes. Vistro offers free shipping on all their orders, and right now you can try the six most popular Vistro meals for just $49. Visit tryvistro.com slash NMA. That's T-R-Y-V-E-E-S-T-R-O dot com slash NMA. There's no commitment. You can pause or cancel any time, but you can only get that $49 deal at tryvistro.com slash NMA. And Matt, this episode is also brought to you by Blinkist, and you've heard me talk a bit about Blinkist, my new favorite app, right? Mm-hmm. As you know, you're running life, through the Blinkist catalog. I'm running through the Blinkist catalog. Blinkist takes the best key takeaways, the need to know information from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down into a 15 minute audio, audio, audio version, or uh, there's a readable version too, if you're, if you still want to do some reading, maybe nice. in bed or something like that. So mm-hmm. uh, 8 million people are using Blinkist right now. 
and it has a massive and growing library from self-help, business, health, and history books. Did you make it uh, through Stephen Covey's book? I did. <laughs> I made it. Thing, you don't have to make it through Stephen Covey's book. You just have to get get, uh, get the minute summary. That's right. Just get the nice little summary. Up next on my list is uh, Ultra Learning. Yep, Scott Young. Scott Young. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you have you read that one? No, but I told you he came to our uh, meetup in uh, South. Oh Southwest. yeah, that's right. Yep. Uh huh. And I'd like to read that one. We were doing homeschooling with my son, and I'm I'm interested now a little bit in the learning about learning. Learning about learning. That's mm-hmm. good. Well, start with Blinkist, and then if you like it, you can read the book. There we go. I will do that. All right. With Blinkist, you get all, unlimited access to read and listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want for one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist is offering a special offer just to the No Meat Athlete audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash no meat and try it for free for seven days and save 25% on your new subscription. That's B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash no meat to save 25% and start your free trial. All right, Matt, this was fun. Let's get into the interview with Eagle McMahon. Okay. All right, Eagle, welcome to No Meat Athlete Radio. Thank you so much for for joining me today. This is going to be a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. This is uh, an absolute honor for me to be on here. Fun fact, this is the first podcast I have ever been on that is like non disc golf related so <laughs> I, i'm i'm really happy to kind of broaden my horizons right now well good that's great and there are there are a number of disc golf podcasts right yeah i mean when when you're in the fishbowl of the sport i mean you you have probably 15 20 of them but sure. yeah. this is this is a really cool step for me <laughs> well good i'm glad uh glad we can expand your uh your podcasting uh repertoire um so you are by definitely, without a doubt, the first professional disc golfer we've had on the show, uh, which is which is exciting for me as a as a fan of the sport and um, and as someone who has followed your career for the past several years. Uh, so it's it's really exciting to talk to you and have a pro disc golfer on here. But I would say that most people who listen, you know, they may have heard me talk about disc golfing in the intro. Like you said, we were talking before we started recording that you had heard me mention it, but didn't realize I was that into it um and i say a lot of people probably don't actually know that there is professional disc golf do you think that's fair i mean do, when you when you tell people you're a pro disc golfer what what kind of reaction do you get i that is a, a very accurate assessment um we have come a long way we're at the point at least in the u.s that you can say what disc golf is and people people kind of nod their head like oh yeah i've heard of that my local park has uh, those metal baskets i've seen people throwing it but sure. when it comes to the professional side uh whenever you say you do it professionally they kind of do a double take and they think really <laughs> you throw frisbees for a living and like how how do you even survive doing that and um in the last couple years i wouldn't say it it has exploded but from where it once came it has it's completely changed um about five years ago, it was tough for even us to get uh, video coverage, and now um, we have this um, uh, YouTube channel slash entity called Jomez Productions that has over 150,000 subscribers on YouTube, and uh, on average, their videos get um, around 100,000 views, which, I mean, compared to other sports, isn't a lot, but for a niche sport of disc golf, it kind of uh, sure. allows um, a, a good amount of people to make it on the road. Um, kind of uh, be nomadic and kind of follow their dream in a certain way. So um, I've, I've been doing it for around five years seriously. 
and it it's really changed my life. I've gotten to see many different parts of the country and world, and I'll be able to say that I'm I'm making uh, somewhat of a respectable living doing it <laughs> at yeah. at only 21 years old. Yeah. So you so would you say you went pro five years ago? Uh, or... so, pro. I I started touring professionally. I went okay. professional technically when I was 13 years old, but. Um, Professional is kind of a, a loose term in disc golf. You can you can sign up as a professional and call yourself a professional, but to be a true professional, you have to accept cash at a PDGA sanctioned tournament. Which PDGA means Professional Disc Golf Association uh, tournament. So that's what I did. And then um, I mean, it's it can be really small scale. You can just be playing local tournaments, but. I wouldn't consider yourself a true professional unless you're traveling around the country playing national tour and uh, major style events. Okay, so so talk to us a little bit about that. I mean, you know, I, as a Jomez Pro watcher, I I, I know quite a few about uh, quite a bit about some of these tournaments. But um, you know, there is a just like in ball golf, there you know, there's a a tour that players will go on um, and play tournaments every week or every couple of weeks. Uh, what is that? professional disc golf touring scene look like so right now um the two major tours in disc golf they are correlated to each other in a certain capacity meaning that they are both pdga sanctioned the one the pdga national tour is a direct um let's say uh project of the pdga um, okay. The national tour, it has six events a year, or at least it has for the last two years. And the other entity is the Disc Golf Pro Tour, which is a, a little bit more managed by itself, but of course still partnered with the PDGA. Those are kind of the two main tours that everyone follows. And between those two, there's um, about 15 events per year um, that are kind of the must-hit events. And then on top of that, you have the PDGA majors, which are the the ones that you really want to get to the the most prestigious the ones everyone's dying to to do well or do well or win uh, then you that's the usually have a European one which this year was the European Open uh, the professional disc golf world championships and then the one that Doug was excited about uh, <laughs> uh, watching was the USDGC which is in uh, Rock Hill South Carolina okay and how about how many players are are, to- are actually doing the full tour um. I don't know an exact number off the top of my head, but I'd say probably around 40 people who kind of do it full time. And then maybe another mm-hmm. like 30 to 40 who are kind of more part time, um, okay. but probably easily over um, 100 people of which I'm kind of familiar with week in and week out. Right. OK. And then there, you know, you can actually just join in for one tournament, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of people don't have the luxury of taking off and uh playing the full disc golf tour so um you'll you'll see the one guy maybe like two or three times a year just uh dropping in here and there yep okay and so all right before before we move on to what from the touring uh about how many tournaments are you playing a year both like on the national tour level and then also just kind of smaller smaller tournaments this year i've played I think 27 events and like three of those were kind of like these, these one round tournaments that aren't really that prestigious at all. They just count towards the amount you played. Uh, but okay. on average I'm playing around 20 to 25 per year. And those are, those are any range anywhere from three to five days. Um, 
So it can get it can get pretty tiring out there. Yeah, I mean that's a lot. Yeah. And then uh, so I, I mean that's that's a lot of disc golf. That's a lot of rounds. That's uh, quite a bit of traveling. Um, are you playing when you're not like? Are you practicing on the disc golf course when you're not in in the middle of a tournament? Well, the kind of the structure of the season goes, kind of the formula is you you play one tournament, you finish up, and then usually the next destination is anywhere from five to 20 hours away. Uh, a lot of the, the players out there have RVs, sprinter vans, or are driving to their next destination. Me personally, this year I've kind of flown a little bit more, so I'm trying to... Uh, kind of cut down on the travel time so I have a little bit more time to relax and maybe even train. Um, but you finish a tournament and then basically you have to go on to the next one and practice the next um, the next venue for the event so you're feeling comfortable, you're feeling confident uh, in order to perform at your best. Um, so ideally to get, if you're playing one course for a tournament, I like to get at least three practice rounds on that course. Okay. And, and the thing is, like training, playing disc golf, it's it's pretty time consuming, which kind of makes you neglect a lot of other areas of your kind of uh, training that you normally like to do, whether that be uh, hitting the gym or eating. I mean, we I'm sure we'll go into eating a little bit later in this episode. Sure. And I'll tell you like all like all the compromises you have to make traveling and all these kind of middle America towns, but. Um, you can kind of lose yourself very easily on the tour because it is so fast paced and you have to be kind of at the top of your game. I mean, we're not, we're not flying on jets where we don't have um, all this extra money to uh, have the, the luxuries that like uh, a lot of other uh, pro athletes do. We're kind of like just on the cusp. So we kind of have to like grind um, our way as uh, in an economic fashion. So we're not, sure. yeah, we're, we're not, uh, we're not superstars quite yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, so what kind of physical training, you know, aside from, from actual practice shots and, you know, practice rounds and that kind of thing, like, are you doing strength training? What, what kind of muscle training are you doing? Um, a lot of the, the training comes in the off season just because mm -hmm. that's when we have our downtime, which are to strengthen up our bodies. But, uh, as of the last two years, there's this really cool program called Disc Golf Strong. Shout out to Seth Muncie. Um, he's actually worked with a professional hockey team, the Anaheim Ducks. And hmm. he just happens to have a passion for disc golf. And he helps probably about 15 or 20 of us uh, kind of stay strong throughout the year. I mean, it's, it's, not, like, it's not like these crazy uh, workouts where we're just killing ourselves. It's more just maintaining, making sure we're able to... Uh, uh, stay strong in the movements that disc golf require and you may think disc golf it's really not a sport they're just out there throwing frisbees in the woods but if if you're to watch jomez you'll see that <laughs> we're putting a lot of energy into our drives whether it be throwing backhand which is kind of like the the standard way you think about throwing a frisbee or throwing a forehand which is kind of like throwing a baseball pitch it takes a lot of power to put into those throws and if you think about it, we're playing 18 holes a day, but in practice we're throwing maybe extra shots on the on that on the those practice rounds. And after a while, it's um it can take a toll on all your joints, and uh, it can really make you tired. So any little advantage we get to make us feel stronger, help us recover better when we're out there on the road, is gonna it's 
it's going to be great for whoever chooses that that uh, to take that extra time. Yeah, I mean, with you know any sort of sport that requires such kind of repetitive motions and stuff, you know, especially when it's just like these jolts of of movement, these quick rapid movements. I imagine there's all kinds of injury risk and and so forth. And and I mean, you guys are are just bombing some of these drives, 400 plus, 500 plus feet. Um, and so I mean, there's just, I'm sure there's a lot of, a lot of, uh, energy that's being used and kind of a lot of strength that's required to, to hit those shots. Absolutely. A lot, a lot of, uh, kind of fine tuning and, uh, quick movements that take a long time to develop. Like right now, um, I, I actually have a broken right hand, so I'm playing left-handed and it's kind of making me realize, oh, really? Oh my gosh, <laughs> what I can do with on my right side has just, it's taken over, it's taken over 12 years to get there and fine tuning. So, sure. um, it, I'm realizing that disc golf's a little bit harder than I thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, welcome to the rest of us. Um, uh, no, that, <laughs> that's great. So I do want to talk about nutrition. You know, one thing that, um, uh, you know, as we've probably mentioned you're a plant-based athlete which is awesome and really glad to hear that uh tell us a little bit about that how, how long have you been vegan so i have been vegan i believe for around eight years but i've been vegetarian slash pescatarian all my life before that my parents got kicked off kind of as a veg vegetarians but soon when i was um when I was probably about three or four years old, they made the transition to vegan and then sooner to raw. So my dad was a raw foodist for probably about eight years of um, when I was young. And I was completely rebellious against it. Uh, <laughs> at my grandma's house, I was constantly trying to, to get out of eating um, all the raw food that he did because I mean, I'm, I, was, I was young. I thought it was gross. I, want, I wanted to eat pizza. Um, but then sure. it was it wasn't till kind of um my I guess I was like twelve or thirteen and it was just something clicked something made sense to me I'm like might as well just go vegan I've just heard so much many good things about it, it seems like the healthiest thing to do and um, of course when I'm thirteen I mean I don't know all the all the reasons for it but as I educated myself when I as I got older it just kind of seemed like this is this is the way that I really want to live and it just it make it makes the most sense to me. Yeah, that's interesting. I, did, I, I didn't realize you were so young. And, you know, I think that a lot of people, or when you went vegan, and, and I think that a lot of, well, you know, it's probably more and more as it's growing in popularity and information about it, especially for parents, um, you know, who have a kid who wants to go vegetarian or, or vegan. And I think that what what ends up holding a lot of, like, teenagers and, and people living at home back is, is their parents because they're concerned about certain health risks of not eating meat or not eating dairy, um, non-existent health risks, I should call <laughs> um, um, you know, but that's interesting that your parents were actually kind of the driver and, and you were almost rebelling against it for a while. So that, that's, that's kind of a cool story. Yeah. The whole dynamic behind it was kind of interesting. My, like my dad never forced me to be vegan. He kind of just made me stay at least pescatarian. It was kind of my grandparents who were the ones kind of holding me from becoming vegan. They're like, you got, you got to eat your fish. It, it's brain food. Um, 
you're not going to be able to, you're not going to grow tall if you don't have your cheese. <laughs> right, yeah. And just, I mean, just the, the basic stuff that you hear all the time. But mm-hmm. it wasn't until I started uh, kind of becoming a, a, a daddy's boy, really, to, to make my own decision to start <laughs> eating how I felt was right. Yeah. So how do you think it impacts your, your game now? Uh, or, or does it? So this is the funniest thing for me is, I mean, I'm anyone who's on social media knows that there's haters out there. And of course, I get yeah. a lot of the time I get attacked for being vegan and they say things like, Oh my gosh, Eagle, you'd be the best disc golfer in the world. If you ate meat or oh, you throw so much further, if you ate meat and <laughs> I'm kind of the black sheep in that regard. Like I'm like one of the only vegan disc golfers out there. And in my, in my mind, it's like, maybe I'm as good as a disc golfer as I am because I'm vegan. Have you ever thought about what if, what if, uh, the top guy in the sport, his name is Paul Macbeth. He is a complete, he's ridiculous. He's, he's the tiger woods at disc golf at this point. Um, (laughs) what if he went vegan? You never know that. I mean, I, I just watched Game Changers the other day and oh my yeah. gosh, I like cried five times during that movie just because of how <laughs> epic some of those scenes were like the totally I, the, I, a Patrick Abomian. It's the, the, the vegan strongman or whatever. Yeah, yep, if, the, if you guys haven't watched ox. Game Changers, please go do so. Just a little spoiler. He flips over a car and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, ve- vegans are super wimpy. And <laughs> yeah. There's that, there's that line he has in there. It's like, uh, people question how he can be strong as strong as an ox and not eat meat. And, and he goes, uh, when was the last time you ever saw an ox eat meat? I just thought that was so brilliant. You know, I love that. Yeah. That movie is awesome. But yeah, to get back on track, like (laughs) I, I credit my plant-based diet to a lot of the, the things I've been able to do. Um, I really can say like, I don't really get that tired out there. I feel like my endurance is is really great um, on the disc golf course. And just traveling all over the world, getting on planes, traveling week in and week out. Um, I, in the last two years, I can only remember myself getting sick once. And mm-hmm. otherwise, all the other times, I feel great. I'm full of energy and I'm ready to go. And I mean... I think just that for what my lifestyle kind of entails is a pretty good success story. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's right. And you know, it's, it's, it's hard, I'm sure, because to kind of, to counter the haters because you were vegan before you became a professional athlete. But, um, I mean, I think that, I think you're living proof of what you can do on a, on a vegan diet and, and how it can impact your your strength and your, your playing. So I think that's, I think that's awesome. Um, so as far as nutrition goes on, on a tournament day, um, you know, like with running or with, uh, you know, like bodybuilding or something like that and what you're eating the night before and that morning and, and all that stuff really, uh, matters. Is, is it something that you pay that much attention to on training day or, or like, do you have like a nutrition routine? Um, uh, I'm sorry, sorry on, on tournament day, or is it more like, uh, you know, you just kind of eat what's around because you're often traveling? I'd say it's a, it's a hybrid between both. I've, I've definitely noticed my, my greatest performances when I have a more uh, regimented 
eating routine. Um, you can pretty much always count on me eating some sort of like oatmeal with a bunch of fruit, um, some sort of protein powder in it for for breakfast. Um, but a lot of times on the road, we're, we're in middle America, we're kind of in these small towns and they don't have the best vegan options. So you kind of just have to figure out what the the local grocery store has and just kind of eat all the whole foods you can. I'm a, I'm a huge advocate of, of whole foods because um, I hear so many people eat who try to go vegan and have so much. Um, they just say, I, I couldn't do it. I'm always, always hungry. I was, never had enough energy. It's because you weren't eating the right things. You got to have a well-rounded diet. So whenever I get beans and rice, um, kale, veggies, and just making sure I'm kind of covering all the basics, really eating the colors of the rainbow, that's kind of mm -hmm. when I know I perform my best. But being with um, my friends who a lot aren't vegan, uh, I have to kind of make some compromises. And I'm going to a lot of like Thai restaurants or Chipotle's, but um, I'm mm -hmm. always trying to make the best um, choice I can. Are you cooking a lot on the road? When I have when I have a kitchen and I have that luxury, um, that's kind of my my ideal thing. Like the a lot of like I was saying earlier, the the kind of the disc golfers thing is to get a sprinter van or an RV. Um, I prefer to get an Airbnb just because a lot of times <laughs> they, have, they have a kitchen and I can uh, prepare prepare my meals and I can, uh, uh, can have that own space to um, to make sure I'm I'm doing everything I need to. Yeah. So for someone who is traveling a lot and, and exercising and, you know, whether they're running or, or on a disc golf pro tour or something like that, you know, what, what kind of tips do you have for people who are struggling to find uh, places to eat in middle America and maybe don't have access to a kitchen? You know, what, what would you tell somebody? I, few, a few tips is you're going to have to eat this isn't a very good sales pitch for being vegan, but you're going to have to make some <laughs> sacrifices and you're going to have to eat the things that don't taste that good. Like mm. you to get your protein, to get your uh, vitamins, it's very easy if you're just willing to have some plain oatmeal and eat a head of lettuce. Like right. sometimes you're just going to have to do that. Um, but just making sure you, you kind of, uh, you get the nutrients regardless, I think is really important. Um, but other times, like a lot of the places that you think wouldn't have vegan options do. Um, Asian restaurants are really great because basically all you have to ask is, is there is there fish sauce in this? And then if, if there's not, I mean, then you're pretty much good to go. So definitely check out uh, your local Thai restaurant or if you're in a little town uh, running a marathon or doing whatever, check out the, the local Asian cuisine. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, it, like you said, sometimes it might not taste that great just to eat a head of lettuce or, or some plain oatmeal, but you know, those simple meals are often the, the healthiest that you can get. So, and in some ways those are also like nutrition, you know, just like packed with nutrition and, and really good ways to eat, even though it might not be the tastiest. I, I, I have some stories of some just horrendous meals I've made out. In the, road. <laughs> the, the one I can remember the most clearly was I was in, I was in Texas and I don't even know where I was in Texas, just the middle of nowhere. And I was with my friends and they wanted to go to a, a burger joint, which is called Whataburger. I don't know if anyone's familiar with that. Uh, mm -hmm. I had some uh, tortillas and peanut butter left over and 
go into Whataburger and I was like, okay, there, there's some chips there. It was Lay's chips. Buy a bag of those, get the tortillas, spread the peanut butter, crush up the chips. And I'm like, <laughs> maybe the ketchup's vegan, right? Oh, they have spicy ketchup, pour some pepper on it. And then I asked for some like uh, lettuce and tomato from the people. And I just make these like peanut butter, lettuce, tomato wraps with <laughs> chips. And I mean, in retrospect, that wasn't a good idea because I just felt like there was a rock in my stomach for the next couple of days. But <laughs> I, it filled me up. It yeah, there you go. It, satis- I, it was satisfying enough. And I think between the peanut butter and the tortillas, I think I got way too much protein there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a rock. Oh, man. That's great. All right. So I think it might have been on YouTube or, or somewhere. I um, I saw that last off season you were... I think trying to put on some weight or, or uh, muscle or something. And, and you were really focused on uh, these like super high calorie smoothies every day. Mm-hmm. Is this, is this correct? <laughs> I'm not that making is, this up. That's very correct. Yes. Okay. So what, what was that all about? Um, well, I, I definitely, I wanted to put on some more weight, put on some more muscle mass for, for disc golf, but also just kind of uh, for personal goals. And um, in retrospect, I, I can say it was fairly successful. I remember starting my uh, 2000, the start of 2019 off season at around 160 pounds. And by the end of it, I jumped 15 pounds of uh, bulking. Right. So I definitely put some weight on. Um, and basically, uh, I was just trying to put down as many calories as I could. I have a very high metabolism as is. So it's really hard for me to kind of put on weight. So I was just focusing on as many carbs as I could, 300 or 3,500 plus calories a day. Um, wow. So, and just... What were you loading into the smoothies? Probably the foundation uh, was was a lot of dates, a lot of oats, protein powder, a bunch of berries. I like to throw greens in there. Really got it. I was having creatine, which I think kind of helped a lot in my off season. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of a chlorella... Uh, gosh, what basically anything I had, I it was even putting rice in the smoothie sometimes just to to crave <laughs> it up and get extra carbs. Wow, that's a new one. I have not heard of anyone putting rice in there. I mean, if you think about it, if you use rice milk, I mean, that's sure all yeah. it really is. <laughs> Smart, yeah. So, do you think you'll do that again this season? This I've already, season, I've already started. Oh, good. Okay. So, uh huh. the The goal right now is to get to one eighty five by next next season. Have have you ever traveled with your with your blender? Yes, I have. I have. <laughs> yeah. th- those th- that's the best. Uh, I I've almost thought about getting a a separate uh, separate suitcase just for my Vitamix. <laughs> just for your Vitamix. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. No, that's uh, every time if we go if we're driving somewhere, um, we'll often and staying for a long time, we'll often bring the the Vitamix and it's just like, it's clutch, you know, you end up using it so much when you're traveling and it like, you know, if you're worried about being out of your routine and not having access to certain, you know, grocery stores or foods or, or restaurants, I mean, it can just make life so much easier if you, I mean, you can always get fruit and just throw it in the smoothie and, or throw it in the blender and have a smoothie and and you're set. Yes, absolutely. Like just, just that. I mean, it's so easy too. Like you don't have to dirty up a bunch of dishes. Um, you're always going to be able to find a place with frozen fruit, like you were saying. Um, I definitely want to incorporate the Vitamix more into my travels if possible. That, or even just carrying around like a little uh, Nutribullet would even be yeah. really key. So 
That's yeah, you, that's great. Throwing it back, you you asked me my tips for uh, people out traveling. Get a Vitamix or a blender type uh, contraption to make smoothies because that will that's that's your best bet of getting all the nutrients you need. Ah, that's great. I think uh, Blintech had like a I don't know if Vitamix says, but it has like a travel version, like a, just a a really small one. Um, oh, cool. That's, that's equally as high powered as as like a regular Vitamix or Blintech. Christmas uh, is coming up. Uh, if uh, my dad or grandma's listening to this, you, uh, you know you know what to get me. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's right. Uh, cool. So I want to shift a little bit to to mindset. Um, you know, I think with a game like disc golf, you know, f- focus, mindset, and focus are probably play a huge role in in success. Um, you know, especially when you're you know on a lead card and one of the biggest stages. So how do you mentally prepare for a tournament? It, it really varies on the place I am. Like I have noticed a lot of my best tournaments have been in places where let's just say the vegan food is abundant. Like one of my favorite places to go is Portland, Portland, Oregon, just because I know I'm going to be eating good afterwards. Um, mm-hmm. But when I'm, when I'm in other places, like uh, for example, Peoria, Illinois, which is in the middle of nowhere, there's not really too much to have. So just, not but not eating like what you want can kind of throw you off uh Mm. so in order to get the right mindset for me moving forward into the tournament weekend is a lot of it has to do with food so making sure i find the best options uh kind of create a little bit of a meal plan before the tournament just uh so i know that's set so i'm not hangry um also there's so much that goes into disc golf if anyone's ever played golf you'll realize that it's it's so mental and basically like there's they're saying saying that golf golf's 99 percent uh mental and one percent physical which i mean that that might be a little off but <laughs> you can you can definitely look at that part so making sure you're uh kind of taking in a lot of uh uh, good teachings whether it be from podcasts uh self-help books um just making sure you have a positive mindset for um, whatever adverse situation that you're going to face um, is always helpful. So I'm always uh, trying to kind of uh, get good perspective on life, making sure I'm um, being as positive I, c- I can. So uh, that that's really important to me because uh, it's, it's frustrating when uh, you know you can do something really well and you fall short. Uh, right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be completely open about this. Uh, the United States disc golf championships, I was into round three and I felt like I was actually being pretty positive, uh, for the most part throughout the entire tournament. Um, but a few things started to kind of, uh, not go my way. And, uh, I was, I'm known to be a little bit more of a passionate player. <laughs> let's say that. And, um, <laughs> On the 16th hole, I missed a probably about a 20-foot putt. For those who you don't know, is it's pretty short, pretty short for my standards. And uh, I I hit the ground. I punched the ground and caused me to uh, get a boxer's fracture and not be able to uh, play to my full potential in the fourth round of the tournament. Um, so that was very disappointing for me, and it's kind of right now has changed my mindset greatly because the, the final round I played with a broken hand and um, you know, it, 
it wasn't a good look for me. And it kind of put it on perspective, like what's really important, what really matters. Um, you're out there throwing Frisbees and it's kind of a gift that you get to do so. So really just mm-hmm. making sure that um, you really focus on the positive things and don't let the moment get too big. And uh, I mean, of course, like I'm, I'm saying this cause I, I need to learn from it. Like, Everyone kind of needs to learn from it um, in some capacity to kind of bring yourself down to earth and be a little bit more humble. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, obviously that that just happened. um, And I don't think you've played a tournament since. uh, But like, like how do do you think you'll approach that? You know, I mean, because for any time people are competing at at any level, whether it's a high level or or just running like a a local 5K, you know, you're dealing with disappointments. And, um, you know, how do you, how do you come back from a setback like that? It's, it's tough, but you got to, you got to embrace that it is going to be tough and you got to get excited about it. You got to think that you're going to, you're going to be that superhero who comes out stronger because it's really easy to kind of look on the, the more negative side saying that I don't know what I can do. I don't know if I can come back from this, but, uh, I mean, you, you've seen, everyone's seen enough, uh, cliches enough cheesy movies to know that uh you you got to bounce back you gotta you gotta be like the those superheroes out there so don't let uh defeat um one time be what writes your story so super cheesy but just just go out just go out and be the best you can in every moment yeah And 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 be and don't get don't get stressed out if your best in certain moments isn't that good because there's <laughs> there's going to be there's going to be some points where you're not feeling all too great right yeah but don't don't stress those times yeah and but i mean like you like you said before like that's often the the hardest time when you know you can do something well and, and you're not living up to that potential you're not performing at that potential i think that's that's where you know really ego comes in and, and just so much, you know, so much kind of stress around that. It's so hard to move past that. So, uh, I'm just kind of curious, do you, uh, you know, I mean, as you're about to either throw a drive or kind of you're, you're standing in front of the basket with a big putt, do you, do you have any kind of breathing or mental or any sort of routine that you kind of follow right before a shot or is it really just focused only on where you're going and you know making the making the right throw i really focus on trying to clear my head to the best of my ability um because mm-hmm. i know in practice if i'm calm i'm gonna have the best chance of executing the shot uh i'm not thinking about it because i've i've thrown i've thrown that's that shot so many times i know that i can execute it so really just bring my uh headspace to kind of a, a place where i uh, can kind of replicate a practice throw. That's when I know I'm going to be kind of uh, my, I'm going to have the best chance of success. So that for me, that means just taking a deep breath, uh, kind of doing three false, false throws, or just going through a routine before my throw and then uh, going, going for the gold. Yeah. Are you superstitious at all? I hate to say it, but I am. Yep. <laughs> I have, I yeah. have a bunch of little things that I have to do. Like, how, which order I have to keep my Frisbees in. Um, oh, yeah. A lot of times when I play bad, uh, it's a lot 
because I don't eat oatmeal in the morning. So making sure I get <laughs> some sort some sort of oat in my body is kind of crucial for my my success. Uh, I used to kind of be superstitious on what underwear I wore before my rounds, um, but <laughs> really, but. Lately, I'm I'm trying to kind of nip those in the bud. If I feel a superstition forming, I try to go the go the other way, just so <laughs> I don't drive myself crazy. Yeah, no, you, you can definitely drive yourself crazy, but you know, at the same time, I think that like, you know, if it if it calms you down for whatever reason, you know, that that's okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, um, absolutely. Cool. All right, so before we wrap up here. You know, if someone is hearing this and maybe has seen the baskets in their local parks or something like that, but you know has never actually played, you know, what what uh, how how would you tell somebody to get into disc golf and and kind of spread the how do you spread the disc golf love to to people? Well, if you're interested in trying it out, I I first recommend getting a disc, and probably the easiest place for a lot of players to start is going to their their sports store whether it's a dick sporting goods or uh i think even walmart starts is having discs now so uh just go pick one up see how you like the game um search youtube for some tips because that's going to make a huge difference uh throwing a disc golf disc opposed to a normal frisbee is a lot different uh, a disc golf disc is they're weighted um, and they have a more beveled edge, which means they're more aerodynamic. They cut through the air. Uh, you have discs that are overstable, which if you're throwing right-handed means they're going to fade left, um, or understable, they're going to want to kind of go a little bit more straight and turn to the right. So kind of get an idea what disc you need to buy first is kind of key. I recommend looking for a lighter weight, so around 150 gram understable driver that's going to uh, allow you to see the disc fly opposed to just kind of falling out of the air. Hmm. Do you do you have one that you would recommend? Um, well, yes, I actually do. <laughs> uh, a Discmania FD is a okay. great starter disc, uh, but uh, if they don't have a Discmania FD, then maybe uh, Anova Leopard is really great. Okay, great. Um, so, I mean, well, as, as you know, obviously, there's uh, just like in ball golf, there are different discs that uh, that serve different purposes. So you have putters and drivers and mid-ranges and, and so forth. Uh, if you're brand new to the sport, do you, like, you know, you don't need a full bag. Well, like, what kind of, like, are there a couple staple discs that you sh you should look for? Yeah, like the disc I just said, the FD or the Leopard, that's a great uh, great driver to start with. And that's really all you need if you're just going to go try it out. Uh, but then mm -hmm. when you get more serious, uh, look into a mid-range and a putter, um, which a good putter is the Discmania P2, uh, mid-range Discmania MD3. Um, of course, the, put the putter is going to greatly increase your chances on making putts um, from short distances because it's not as fast it stays straighter and with a mid-range it's going to be a lot straighter than the driver so um once you start playing a little bit you're going to kind of get a little bit of the hang of it knowing when you need to throw each disc mm -hmm. great and, and we should mention you're, you're sponsored by Discmania, which is which is great i uh I actually just recently got a P2, which I'm ex I was, I've been excited to throw for the past couple months or so. And then uh, you were gracious enough to send over a few other Discmania discs, and uh, it's a great, it's a great, great company. 
yeah, I was happy to send you over some stuff and it really cool that you got the P2. That's, uh, I don't know, I'm biased because uh, I, I use it all the time, but I think it's, I think it's the best putter out there. Hmm. <laughs> I recently learned it's like one of the most popular putters, which I didn't realize. Um, all right. So, so great. So how can people follow you, follow you on tour or, or see what you're up to during the off season? Uh, the, the best best ways to find out what I'm doing or keep up with disc golf is uh, my Instagram. Uh, my Instagram is eagle underscore WMCM. Um, and to just catch up with disc golf, you might see me on there sometimes. Please go subscribe to um, Jomez Productions. That's uh, it's, it's really great. Um, just to just to see what the disc golfers are capable of. I highly recommend um, anyone listening to this to go check it out, even if it's uh, just for five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I gotta agree with that. And I mean, it just, it, it will t- change your viewpoint on what the, the sport is and you know, that it's not just a kind of a backyard or a small, small park recreation activity, but something that's much bigger than that. Absolutely. Cool. Eagle, man, this was, this was a real pleasure. Uh, thanks so much for coming on to I mean, athlete radio and um, best of luck during the off season. I hope your hand heals up well and uh, we're excited to, to keep following you as you uh, in 2020 thanks doug i really appreciate it and uh yeah this has been a complete honor as i am a huge fan of the show and the last thing i gotta say is uh you gotta get mad out there i wanna <laughs> i want to i want to hear i want to hear uh, his experience playing disc golf yeah no i can ex- you have no excuse matt you have uh two discs now <laughs> that's that's right i can uh I can assure you that the pressure has been uh, been placed on him pretty heavily, so I, I think we're going to do it. I think we're going to get out pretty soon. Very cool. All right. Thanks, Eagle. All right. Later. Later.